Xavier, can you take us through the face-off and the play that led to the penalty call? What I can say. I just won $60 per week, so I'll say nothing for that. Have you ever been called for that penalty before, Xavier? In your career? I play hockey. My mother puts me in life in May 19, 2001. I watch hockey signs on that, that whatever. This is the first time I see that. Hello out there. We're on the air. It's the Water Boys Wednesday. We're here with Justin, Grant, your boy Taylor. What's going on, guys? Oh, not too much. You know, busy week, busy week. I think Saturday was the busiest, busiest day in Waterboy's history. Yeah. Um, baseball Grant, game, football game, man. I don't understand. Yeah, doubleheader baseball, you know. First baseball action I've taken in here in about five years, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what? It was surprisingly entertaining. A lot more entertaining than what I was expecting. Islanders baseball is good baseball. I'm not saying Islanders baseball wasn't. I wasn't expecting I was just expecting, like, you know, senior men's. Like like a rec league. Like, some people might not want to try as hard because, like, you know, went up to football there and the excuse was, you know, everyone has to go to work here on a Monday. But, no, these guys are laying it on the line. Like, Diving for bags, like, like they're going. Oh, it's baseball. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a senior league. Like, it's a it's a league. Yeah. I, hey, I'm impressed. For football, don't dog him on him yet because my new teammate, Richard Lush, tore his tricep and is purple from the forearm to the bicep. Like, Richard Lush, if you're watching this, I'm, I'm going to let you know you got a shout-out. But, dude, keep going on, Warrior Brother. <laughs> yeah. But, anyway... As our fans know, you just saw the interview with Xavier Semino there. A very heartfelt interview. It, that was a tough. I mean, I thought he was going to cry last night. That was a tough. I'm not trying to be rude, yeah. but like, I thought like his emotion, like he was so emotional, and it was showing. Like it was a heartbroken Xavier yeah. Semino last night. If he broke down, I wouldn't have blamed him one bit because no. that was a tough loss on Sunday. You got to remember, they're kids too, right? Yeah. Like these. He's, this is not a like. 40-year-old Jason Spetz to do an interview. No, no, this isn't the NHL. This is 16- to 20-year-olds having big moments stolen from yeah. them by guys who do have to go to work the next day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's let's, a touch, to put it. let's <laughs> just touch on this. Let's, let's go over this call. <laughs> I mean, we're going to play the clip for you, I'm sure. We can get the clip in there. Yeah. Um, but you're going to see the clip here, and uh, let us know in the comments, like, what you guys think of the clip. Yeah. Now, personally... Keep your eye on center ice there. Yeah. I, I I don't think... The call... The call was the right call. Mr. Analytics over here. Yeah. The call was the right call, but... Do you call that? No. You never call that in that situation. Like, everything that was not called in the third period, and then Islanders take the lead like <laughs> 10 seconds before that... Uh-huh. Yep. And then you call that at center ice. It's not in Schoenigan's end. It's not in Charlottetown's end. It's at center ice. Xavier hits the, hits it with his glove, yes. But then it goes to a Schoenigan player. So what advantage should Charlottetown really get out of that? No. The rule is plain and simply so black and white. It's not meant to cover that. 
The rule isn't in place for a puck that's in the air. If the officials A did not like that how the faceoff plays out, redo you, it. Yeah, you blow the whistle, you redo the draw. Like how many times have we seen officials do that where they're talking to the guys, they don't drop the puck for twenty seconds because they're just talking to the people in the draw. And the fans so are shouting at them. Power. Yeah, because they have so much power. And the fans are shouting at them, drop the puck. Yeah. Like why couldn't you have done that? What powered you with a minute left on the clock to see that play and be like, okay, we gotta blow this dead and not only A blow it dead, but B, give a face-off infraction penalty. Who gets a two-minute minor for a face-off infraction at that time? And also, the rule should be in place so that if they touch the puck while it's on the ice, like I can understand, so the puck's on the ice and they swipe it back with their glove then, yes, yes that's an infraction. The puck is in the air! It's in the air! Yeah, I don't know. He hits it with his glove and it bounces off with Shawinigan and Stick. And the line's been called. Yeah, like... I guess the lines in this, in this situation, because he has a clear, straight angle view at that moment in time. Like, Hicks is the one that made the call, if anyone's unaware of that. Yeah, hey, Matt Hicks. <laughs> <laughs> we can tell who's... Someone's a little fired up, up here. <laughs> I'm guessing it's the hat <laughs> or the job. Grant, would you say he's got that little bit of heat going on right now? <laughs> he's got a little heat. And I'm telling you, it's not the... Taylor... <laughs> it's a long intro. Just brace yourself, okay? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot Just to get mad down. at later on. Just calm down. <laughs> Take a breath. He's still mad about but last here. night. Mm-hmm. Here's my two cents. One, that's not for the linesman to make that call. Mm-hmm. That is for the referee. Mm-hmm. Matt Hicks is a joke there. Because you could call a match penalty, too many men. That's really it. Not a big call like that. That changed the tide of the game. With a minute on the clock. Yeah. Right after the Islanders take the lead. And also, why was he dropping the puck there at linesman? And why was the linesman at center ice? After a goal, every other league, every league you look at, NHL, any league, after a goal, who drops the puck? Referee. A referee. Why wasn't the referee dropping the puck there? I'd like to know that. Because like, if people are thinking this shit's rigged, so many things now are kind of just... And... To follow that, my second and final point, as I was leaving the press area, a fan who thought I was with Shawinigan's media mistakenly asked me how I got the ref to win them the game. If that's the general consensus with fans, you don't make that call. All game, there were some questionable calls and that I, calls. frankly, did kind of agree with. I'll be honest. Some of them were... Understandable. Some yeah. of them weren't. I yeah. thought some of them. There were about agreeable. two or three last night that were questionable. Very questionable calls. I I didn't see any really that was like, no, no, that's not a no call, you know. But when fans are thinking that, you don't make that call at any point in the game. And the fact is too that the queue has people there. Yeah, the queue has directors. All the like, yeah, their big wigs are there, and they're not. They didn't doing spend anything. a lot of time on that last night. No, really that review was very right. short. Like, yeah. For a for a massive call, that was not a lot of time. In no. my opinion, I don't think they spent a with lot a of time. With a minute and ten left on the clock in game two of the finals, yeah, especially in Charlottetown, and you're gonna call that the only call of the third period. By the way, yeah. after all the non calls we saw in that third period, the only call. Isn't even made by a ref. It's made by a linesman. A face-off infraction. After all the shit they let go that period, 
and a face-off infraction decides that tying goal for Schoeninger. Yeah. Gives him a six on four like, with, thir- with a minute left. Like I said, like, looking at it, like, you can, and if the rule is what the rule states in... The rule the, states so many different things, though. Yeah, it, In 24 hours, weird. the amount of depiction, I forget the depictions of this rule that we've yeah. been looking at, there's so many different versions, and each one either says right call or wrong call. But, so, like, like specify. at this point now, it's, like, what, 20 after, or 20 hours, or tw- yeah, 20 hours like after game time, the queue, the head of the queue officiating yeah, has came out and said that he's defending, or, like, agrees with what was he called last contract. night. Yes. So, at this point, like, I think... We're just if, moving forward. If you're yeah. Charlottetown, you got to move forward. And yeah. all yeah. fans have so, to move forward, yeah. too. It's the and same now, thing. Oh, go ahead. Now you got two games on the road at a tough rink with a loyal fan base. Sold it's going to be louder. It's got to have more lumber than the East Link Center. And I'm struggling to find a reason why the Islanders don't get swept here. Really? Not to be pessimistic, but that's a strong team. Strong goaltenders. You beat you the goaltenders on In that situation. Yeah. No, like, I mean, for Shawinigan, like, they have yeah. a 1A, 1B. Like, From what I heard like, is that the reason they switched up the goalies last night is because Panda, the Atlas started game one, isn't in the best shape, and they don't think he'd be able to hold up for an entire game, seven-game series if it yeah. came to that. But I just... It's hard to win a game... When not only are you facing the Schwingen Cataracts, well, Cataracts, who all credit to them are an amazing hockey club, have two first round picks anchoring their line, their first yeah. line, like that's hard to come up against. Let alone when you're not having calls like that put against you, yeah. and put in those situations. And also, like Jim said it best in his press conference, like you said, they gotta wash this away when the emotion eventually does settle down, which it's starting to. I'm not quite as heated as I was last night. Yeah. But when the emotion finally settles down, they know they got to reset, and they still have games to play. It's best of seven, and yes, you lose one at home, okay. You lose two at home, that's a big no-no, you think. Mm-hmm. And it hurts, but Jim doesn't think like home ice advantage means as much as people think it do. He said they've been a great road team. They're 10-1-1 one one in Quebec this season, 2-0 yeah, oh in the playoffs. That's the best road record in the regular season. But Schwinnigan's only got one loss at home. In the regular season? In the postseason. Like... Like Taylor said, I think 10-1-1 in Quebec. They've beaten they teams are, like Quebec grandparents as well. They were 120% the better team in last night's game. Yes, I think they were the better team. 37-20 to 20 were the final shots. Yeah. They had Schoenigan's number the entire... Not that Schoenigan played horrible, Schoenigan but Charlottetown showed up and was the better team. I will disagree with you there. Schoenigan came out better than what Charlottetown did. They got the first goal in last night's game, but Charlottetown didn't. They only got better as the game went on. Like, they just think, stayed yeah, the same. I think, I think Shul, like in the second period, is when it's the two players you got to watch out for. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a, Borgo. It's it's basically and who had the first goal last night. To me, it's a Sheerbrook thing again, where it's one line and you shut that one line down. I think you win. But with Sheerbrook, we weren't dealing with two first round picks. Yeah, ones per are good, but they weren't. Going Bork. It's set in a tempo thing, and honestly, that first line carries over to the second line, that second line yeah. carries over to the third line. They've got three good lines that are One great line. Now, one thing Grant did mention in the presser last night, and I've just completely blanked on this, but I remember it right now for you guys, is 
Schwingen blocked a lot of shots last night. And yeah. especially, I forget his name right now, but we'll put Number it in Number 49. Here. Yes. We'll put his name in the... In Is that the Jordan Perryman? I think maybe. Yeah. But... Yes. On a penalty... He was on a... Charlottetown had a penalty. He's an 05 born. Let's begin with this. He's, he's one of the six, youngest players on the 16. team. He's getting 20 minutes a night. Yeah. Um, he's on a power or penalty kill. And he blocks three shots back to back three to back. cannons. Clap bombs of shots. Two from Noah Lown and one from... I think I Will Trudeau. Will, yeah. But, oh my gosh. Those were thunderous off the stick and thunderous off of his shin pads and one off of his uh, thigh pad. Yeah. It was just... Honestly, that penalty kill was carried by Jordan. Yeah. And that was impressive. I, so... Looking forward. And for Charlottetown with a strong power play, that's impressive to shut it down. But anyway, yeah. looking forward. Looking forward. I, who do you guys have for game three? Schwinnigan. The Islanders. I got back my boys. <laughs> but you're thinking about this. I am thinking. Uh, in Quebec especially, I'm, I'm concerned with my conspiracy theories about how the officiating will be in game three. But I just feel like Jim's a professional coach. He's won coach of the year two years in a row. This team is filled with veterans. Budgel, Lowen, Simino, Gay. Yep. They've been here before in situations like this. And I, as heartbreaking and wrenching as it was to have that loss last night go down the way it did go down after seemingly sealing up a victory late in third, I think that reset button is going to be pushed pretty hard. I think they're going to sweep that under the rug. I think with just how good of a coach Jim is, I think going on that flight up to Quebec, he wasn't just letting his players sit and listen to music or play cards or whatever. Mm-hmm. In the finals like this, there was words. That's two hours of a flight Jim was probably talking either individually to players or as a group, yeah. trying to reset and regroup them because they know yeah. they're going to Quebec right now. They need that road victory to stand you true. Need, you need to win game three if you have a chance to win. You need to win game three. And you'd like to win game four. You need, you'd like to take both games up there. But take home, I if you play the same way you did last night and hit another gear yes, I think overall they're a better team than Schwinnigan. I think... I just think... I just think this isn't an easy series. That's we're the We're forgetting something, too. Like, Patrick LeBlanc has a chance to come back. <laughs> like, it's an injury. But, like, if he comes back for game five, he's going to back in game five. You get back to Charlottetown. For game five, like here's the first thing. That's a big pit. Well, here's the, here's the first step. It's not to like say let's let's win this series. First step is let's win a game and get this to so we have a chance to play in Charlottetown again. Let's win more than one period a game. Yeah. To be honest, <laughs> they they had the control for at they, least forty I minutes think yesterday. They won forty yeah. minutes of yesterday's game. I push but, even further. That just that. But anyway. I think you your first thing is you win game three, and you get a game five in front of your home crowd again. Yeah. And then from there, if you win game four, that's great. If not, then you win game you come back home and you have the opportunity to make something special. Mm-hmm. But you have to win game three. Yeah. I, I, you, win, you lose game three, I think it's done. So who do you think is taking game three? Me personally, I think... The Islanders will find a way. Okay. I, I think that 
I'm not trying to be biased or anything here, but I do think that they're going to find a way and win one game up there. I don't think they're going to win both. No. I, I think that, being honest, like, they're going to win one, and I hope it's game three. Because yeah. that means it's a series. Because if it's game four, it's a big hole to crawl out of. Yeah, like, you're down 3-0. Yeah. I mean, so, we'll see. But, <laughs> like I said, like... I could we could totally be wrong. Like I think Shawinigan, like like you said, like Shawinigan's played great. This yeah. is not a easy series. It's not like you're playing Moncton. Yeah. No, At this point, I'd rather play Quebec. <laughs> like Quebec, like yeah, like, I don't know, man. Shawinigan's really good. They are good. And yeah, their defense, I don't know if it's a part of their game plan or not, but number eighty nine, Max Dois, I think I said that right. He's getting under the skin of most Islanders players. He's a great pest. Like, like if it's if like he's one of, he's drafted to Anaheim. Or he's a prospect for Anaheim. But if his job, if coach is telling him to go up there and just be a shit disturber, I'd give him a hundred and fifty percent on his test yeah. because he is doing the job. And exceeding with high expectations. Like, yeah. Brett Budgel is like totally invested in conversations with him every stoppage. Oh, yeah. And who favors in that? Not Brett Budgel. Yeah. Or not the Islanders, I should say. I think it's Shawinigan that favors, but anyway. Mm-hmm. So, moving on to the NHL. We've got some suspensions, some surprises. And so, not so much surprises. Let's start with suspensions. Vander Kane's one-game suspension for his hit on who again? Uh, uh, Kadri. Kadri. Do you yeah. think it's enough or not enough? That's enough. Yeah, it's enough. I think it's enough too. I don't think there's any debate from any of us. Yeah, just as you want yeah. some debate, but like we think we're yeah. in agreement. Here. Just as Kane said, Kadri likes to reverse hit, and that's kind of expected from Kane is to go in hard there, expecting a reverse hit. And I don't know if Kadri lost an edge or what, but, yeah, on his way down, he almost broke his neck. And but the, it was a dangerous play. It was a very dangerous play. You yeah. can't, like, you're taught in hockey, if you're, eight, if you're eight feet, if you see someone eight feet from the board back towards you, yeah. like, you're not supposed to just go in there and cross-check them. And no. He went in a little hot and heavy. But like, like he went in there with a purpose and yeah. he succeeded that for sure. Yeah. So like one game definitely sends a message, and it definitely ruins Edmonton's chance if they had a chance. Of that yeah. takes a piece away from David right there. Yeah, that's like, his yeah. best. That's his best man. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, right now it's not that. I'm honestly a little surprised that Edmonton might get swept here, but. It's not that surprising when you look at the big picture after those first two games. I think Colorado's just too dominant. Like I've been saying all year. Yeah, you're right. They're they're dominant, top to bottom. Yeah. Stay. In my opinion, their decor. They've like your top six D could play a top four in any team in yeah. the NHL. They're still really young too. They have the legs on them. <laughs> yeah. they're young. They're young, and you lost Samuel Jarrett, and you're still playing. It's great on defense. So, like, I don't know. 
my opinion. Yeah. I think they wrap up this series tonight. You guys guessing agree with me or you guys disagree? I think we agree with you. Yeah, yeah. like so like this series I think Daryl Sutter said it was gonna be a waste of eight days in the wild card. Well it's been a waste of eight days here in the Conference Finals, I would say. It's been a waste of a lot of days for Colorado. They've been sending a lot of teams to the golf course, mm-hmm. and you know what? Pretty quickly. Yeah. Edmonton has gotten a lot of rest this mm-hmm. playoff push. So, so, I mean, we got to move into the more exciting one now. The Rangers. Coming is, in heavy. This is a Broadway bully. This is a series. This yes. is a series. Talk about a Cinderella story. Who were the New York Rangers in January and February? I'll tell you, a bunch of scrubs. That's what I thought of them. Now they're coming back. They've been That's hanging around all year, but no one gave them any love. Yeah. No I one gave them that. Igor Shosturkin just putting some hopes to the bed. Yeah. I mean, he's he's still staying humble. Like if you guys yeah. saw his interviews, he's still saying Vasilevsky's the best goalie in the world. Like he's yeah. he's he's not <laughs> saying he's better than him right now. Honestly, I if anyone can knock off Tampa at this point. It's the Rangers. Well, it's it's not the Rangers. It's not the Rangers. It's Shesterkin. Shesterkin. Yeah, yeah, it's Shesterkin. Well, it's the same. Because <laughs> he's keeping them in the games. So oh, yeah. It's yeah. some low-scoring games, but it's great hockey. I mean, they got a great hockey. Third, or 20. Yes, great hockey. I love that. When one goalie stands on his head, let alone for a whole series. Yeah. Yeah. As the saying goes, you got to beat the best to be the best. Yeah. yeah. So, I think... Tampa won last night. Yeah. They got it. With 41 seconds left. Give them a game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Give them a game. Because New mean, York was looking like they were going to go up three in this one. Well, they were up 2 nothing originally. Yeah. yeah. I think... Honest to God, I think Tampa's going to even this thing up. Um, and then we'll see what goes from there. I can't give you a prediction right now. Well, you're saying game seven if they're going to even it up. Pretty much. Well, at least a game six. I know it's going to a game six. If it's going to a game six against Igor, that's going to a game seven. Hmm. But we'll see. I think... I do think they're going to win tomorrow. The Rangers are exciting hockey. The Lightning are just, you know, what they are. They're good. Yeah. The yeah. But the Rangers are exciting. Yeah. The Lightning are just good. Yeah. They're electric. But just as Taylor said, that's not exciting. Just seeing a great team. As but they're being cool as, No, no, no. As a cool as a... Like, for Tampa as a three-peat would be, I don't want to see that. I want to yeah. see something fresh. Well, of course yeah. you don't. You're I know. I like. I don't mind the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> I'm not. They rolled you. I don't. That's why I don't want to see them. I don't hate the Lightning. I just. It's not exciting when the same team's winning every year. You want to see some but fresh faces. You just you strongly see, dislike them. Like, just, we haven't seen. Well, my them. cousin. My cousin won a cup with them. I like the Lightning. But, but I here's got, the thing, cousin. Brad Richards. But here's the thing. Learn something new every day. That's not the issue that I'm having. You're not. You've. We haven't seen this dom type of dominance, in, like in a, like our lifetimes. Like back to. So the you're time. telling me for three years in a row you'd be fine with seeing the lightning raise that cup. Yes. Like it's dominance. Dominance you're, is boring. Yes. Dominance is so shake boring. Shake it up. Give us something fresh. Listen, listen. The Roman. The Roman Empire, impressive. So do you guys to go that big for that long? But let me tell you, Julius Caesar was a boring fella. So That's why you, they stabbed him in the back. But, <laughs> so you guys are telling me right now that you guys think that NHL, all these big leagues, probably rig it. So then 
that they can't win. No, 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 because no. Because they won. No, 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 no. No one like, said anything about NHL, rigging. The NHL is the least rigged sport in the world. You talk about unpredictable sports, you're talking about hockey. Let alone whoa, NHL. Whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, where did you get well, rigged into that conversation? Where this quote coming from? What's this quote coming from? About how the cue might be rigged. Because what did I say that? Look at the kid in the bucket hat. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you. I'm not saying you. But like, if you guys are saying hockey's unpredictable, what you just said, hockey's unpredictable. You cannot sit here and say the cue has. I did not say hockey is unpredictable. The cue is not rigged. The cue is not rigged whatsoever. There might be some favor, some stuff there. <laughs> See, here, like, this is what we're talking. The Islanders are getting a bad hand. They're getting a very bad hand right now. Yeah. Oh my! Here we go. Bias media right here. Okay. No. 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 <laughs> Let's talk basketball. <laughs> <laughs> what a joke. Golden State <laughs> coming in big. <laughs> I'm tired of it. Oh my god. Hawk Golden State. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Waterboy's unscripted and coming at you in 4K okay. HD. Cold, 60 cold frames sick. per second, by the way. <laughs> nice little just <laughs> reference in there. Like, yeah. We gotta throw in a promo 60 frames per second coming at you. You know where I'm going after you know where I'm going after we film this episode of decompress. <laughs> Hunter's Ale House, and I'm going to get myself a playoff platter. <laughs> Let me tell you, the big games are on the big screen. We, we They're in Hunter's at the factory. The big games are on the big screen at factory. Ask about their playoff platter. A Maybe deal. they're ready. They want to do it. It is. They got matzo sticks on that thing. Let me tell you. <laughs> They're matzo sticks. So good. Oh, so God. best matzo sticks in Charlotte. Nice and crispy. Nice and crispy. Yeah. yeah, they're rigged. Honestly, I got something against coaches' matzo sticks because they're the size of a peewee baseball bat. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't fit your mouth around the sucker. And <laughs> they come with four of them. Looks like a chub. <laughs> so anyway. This is getting too rigged. <laughs> YouTube. All right. <laughs> Unscripted water boys coming at you live, but we're gonna get back to this. NBA finals. You have a little seizure right yeah, there. I did. I did. Yeah, you talk about rigged. You talk about basketball. Oh my gosh. You. T- okay, we're done with the rigged stuff. <laughs> we'll, we'll no, we're that. getting into this. Yeah, we'll stop yeah. with that for another. Why? What's Bill you Burr? brought it up. What's rigged about the basketball? Bill Burr has a point. First quarter of any NBA game this postseason seems to just be like, all right, let him play. Second quarter, all right, whoever's up, we're going to get them within a tight game. So we keep the fans in and entertained for fast time. Okay. And then third quarter, we're going to start making some calls for one team. And then the other team comes back, and oh, it's a Cinderella story. They yeah. got the comeback. Oh, wow. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Straight from Bill Burr's mouth. And you know what? As soon as he said it, I said to myself, you know what? The man has a point. Well, basketball almost got as emotionful as soccer has been lately. Like, they've been diving. Six-foot guys are tipping over yeah. seven-foot guys with old nudges and stuff. Yeah. Like, they're just they're looking for calls. You, they're diving. You look at the amount of calls in the NBA right now. Oh, man. Irving would be ashamed. Worst officiating in major sports has been the talk yeah. of the playoffs in the regular season. Yeah. You guys done? Well, you got a hot take here for us? Okay, let's hear about your actual sport of basketball. Let's hear what you got to say. 
I'm not arguing with what you guys said. Uh, I'm just saying you guys done. So you're saying we're right? No, I'm not saying arguing. You're saying everything. We're right. Everything you guys said there is not right, but like most of it, it's right. I think like there is some like we've seen these podcast clips with former NBA refs saying that they rigged games. Yeah. So we are talking about rigged that up. Well, like, like if you're looking at it now, I don't think it's as rigged as it once was. But it is. A it's more so players. now when the players trying to control the games. You know, the refs are there for show have, nowadays. We have to speak about. You know what you remind me of, Justin? We're a little bit off topic. You remind me of the song Piano Man. For a song called Piano Man, that guy with the harmonica doesn't shut up. For a guy that doesn't talk, <laughs> that doesn't talk about rigging, you're talking about rigging an awful lot here. Okay, Golden State and Boston are tied one-one. Yes, mm-hmm. Steph Curry is amazing. Yes. Who's going to win this series? Boston. In what? Golden State. Because it fits the script. Ah. <laughs> no. No. Well, you want to talk about uh, major they, they dynasties? Their, the Warriors are right there. What, the fourth yes. championship in eight years they're going for? Yes, but come January, come mid-season, nobody was thinking the Warriors were going to be here. Oh, no. Clay what? just coming back off his injury. What, what do you mean, what? Clay was coming back off his injury. Steph was A. You look Steve, at playoff odds. Stephen A. And a bunch of fur, and a bunch of like big time reporters were saying Golden State's like a team to watch out for. Like they're yes. going to the Western Conference. No, yeah, but you exactly. look at the playoff odds, not the analysis side of it. You look at the playoff odds, the actual odds from Vegas. Yeah. Golden State was probably eleventh or twelfth at a certain point in the season. So There's been a few upsets, and Golden yeah. State has profited off those upsets. Yeah, with getting the with the Mavs putting the Suns team? out, they didn't have to Wait, face the Suns. No, I think if I honestly think if your Suns versus Warriors, I think they win that. So the Suns or the Warriors? No, the Warriors. I'm not disar- I'm not yeah. arguing that they wouldn't have. I just think Golden State like, they got a little help from other teams. Golden State and they played the Golden State game. Yeah, no doubt in my mind they had, they've State been dominant. Golden State didn't need KD. No. KD needed Golden State. Yeah. To win, right. his, to win his rings. I also You're dislike right. him much more than I used to. It's, yeah, Steph, I like it's Steph Curry and Clay like Thompson KD. and Draymond Green. And now you added Jordan Poole. And Andrew and Wiggins. They built Jordan Poole. Andrew Wiggins. They're deep. And they don't even have James Wiseman, their second overall pick from last year. So, I don't think this is unexpected that the Warriors are going to come in here. And I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win six. But I don't think it's a shock. Like, I don't think it's the, like, oh, my God, we didn't see this one coming. No. I can see the Warriors winning this 100% in six games. Just. And I'm going to say you're saying Celtics in seven. Celtics in seven. I don't know why, Justin. Fits the script. Fits Fits the script. (laughs) They don't got that heat because I'm sitting on that. The only thing that I can say that Boston has a chance of winning is Jason Tatum is going full Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's he wore the wristband. Is he a jacket last night? Well, you, did you see what he was wearing in practice? He was wearing Kobe's exact uh, gear that he wore to his Celtics tryout. Ah. Exact. Yeah. Not exactly. workout. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, like he like he's wearing the exact same attire, basically. Same shorts. Same shirt. Wristband in the same spot. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Huh. So he's doing full Kobe Bryant. Like Mama was, mentality. Yeah, this guy's. You know what? It's awesome to see. Oh, oh yeah. I'm not. Hey, I'm, I'm saying yeah. like if anyone if this like I'm scared for Golden State for that one reason. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, this this kid's got it all. Yeah, we've seen a couple games this season where one player has taken control of it, and frankly, if Jason Tatum can keep this up, it's bye-bye Warriors. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, next week, hopefully it's not over by then, but yeah, I think that it's going to go long, or it's going to be a long series, so it won't be over. Now, yeah. moving on to uh, the last thing we need to talk about here, because uh, the Angels, well, they... They're back to their normal form, guys. They've yeah. lost... What? 11 straight. 11 straight. Wait a minute. Yeah. Give them a round of applause. Yeah. The consistent angels. <laughs> yeah, the consistency, yeah. yeah. When will they, the Mets be consistent? They That's threw my us off, though. They did. The, they the, looked the, good. The angels, like, they had me messed up. They, they were started like, off great. I thought, you know, wow. Went, went to good. And then now... It was too good to be true is what it was. Exactly. I wish they were better. I love Mike Trout. As much as I hate Shohei Otani for taking the MVP award away from Vladdy, I still like Shohei. I love Anthony Rendon. I wish they were better. I wish they were good. I like. I wish Mike Trey was gonna get a winning, winning, winning ways. You you gotta stop wearing jerseys and hats of teams we talk about on this show. I gotta represent the love. <laughs> then hang it up on the wall. <laughs> the love. Oh my god, this is just fantastic. I mean, I don't disagree with what you just said. Yeah. Vladdy did deserve the MVP last year. Yeah, he did. Anyway, but so, like, I just think the Angels are just, they gotta make a trade. You gotta get get better pitching. It's a long way to October. Yeah. Yeah. You you gotta hunker down and figure some stuff out. But, I'm. I don't know when to eat my words. It's I'd not going to be I'd yet. say now. No. It, it's, it's We're coming. in June, buddy. We're in June. We are what, June. What, are you, what are you saying that they're going to just fall off the mountain here, fall off a cliff? I'm crossing my fingers tomorrow and the next day after that. So, so you're saying like the whole month of June. Every day. What are we day. on? June 5th? June 6th? Yeah. Six, June, six. So this whole rest of the month, they're, they're garbage it. You know what? I wake up every day hoping that the Mets just start losing. Because <laughs> I just go, like to see them fail. And honestly, New York is leading the MLB. They're right. tied, well, both New York teams are leading the MLB. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> the city of New York is one and two. They're, they're all <laughs> the MLB. They feel pretty good. Honestly, quit being selfish. You're a city of eight and a half million people <laughs> putting 300 square miles spread out, move your teams across the bay, and just play fairly. Like, I don't know what you're doing, New York, but, like, they're cheating. That's that's it. New York Mets, full of cheaters. That's the only explanation. They got them Apple Watches back out. Yeah. It's, it's weird. You know what? I hate New York Mets <laughs> so much. What just the be- Yankees? Just because they just shoved my cousin into the barrel. Yeah, like, uh, is it, Stupid is it hatred? No, you know this what? is Grant. The, the Yankees are Grant. the the Yankees are the Patriots. Of okay, but the so Olympics? do you hate, you hate, you have I don't know, the Red Sox we, are pretty patriotic. What we've learned is you have a strong hatred towards the Mets. Yeah. That is a New York team. Yeah. You have a strong hatred towards the Islanders. Now, do you just like hate the sec? I would say 
I don't know. Would you guys say they're the secondary New York teams, the Mets yeah. and the Islanders? Yeah. Oh, there's not a doubt in my mind. They're the secondary teams okay. in New York. I didn't know about the Mets, but I knew about the Islanders. Yeah. So, is it just a hatred towards those two teams or all of New York? Honestly, I think it's just New York being so selfish with their franchises. <laughs> <Okay>. That they <laughs> got to have two of everything. Two football teams, two basketball teams, two MLB teams, two NHL teams. Like, get over yourself. You got great pizza. You got great culture. I love Little Italy. The cannolis in New York are amazing. Trust me, I'm an egg cup. I know these things. But when it comes... To sports, quit being so selfish. Why doesn't Why doesn't Kansas City have a basketball team? Why doesn't Kansas City have a Do hockey have team? Do they have a demand for it? I don't mm. know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much hockey, but Sacramento stole the basketball team. They, from the of Kansas. You're telling me you want Sacramento Kings in Kansas City? We could do great things. Though. Oh my God! Great things. Call them the scouts. Get them, a, get them in a sack down. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I see your point where New York does have a You know when you were in kindergarten and you see the bully <laughs> at sack time <laughs> with two pouches Keep of taking Scooby-Doo your snacks? <laughs> two pouches of Scooby-Doo snacks. And he's got, like, five of those, like, great powdered blue Scooby-Doo snacks okay. out of those two pouches. And you got one. And you got the one Powdered blue Scooby Doo snack, and you just hold on to that like Indiana Jones holds on to that Ark of the Covenant, and you're just like, man, if I was him, <laughs> I, I, I'd be so great off, you know. Grantism right there, boys. Yeah, New York <laughs> sitting at the top, like we get it. You got the Statue of Liberty, super cool. New York, New York. Yeah, <laughs> congratulations. It's where everything's filmed, where everything. Oh, go Cubs, go. Go Cubs, go. Go Cubs, go. That's all we So we're just going into terrible We're only 13 now. and a half games behind. We're only 13 and a half games behind in June. Like I said, it's a long way to October. Okay. Cubs are coming. Yeah, but what team has come back from down 13 and a half games and what, 14 games under 500? <laughs> That's a goose egg. That's a goose egg. like, we're talking like World Series. We're just talking playoff. No team has ever like. Even if they expanded the playoffs back to that 16-team format from last year, they ain't making it. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, I think this has been a pretty good session, boys. Yeah. I think this has been great. I think we have the perfect guest Oh yeah. to match this energy yeah, that we just brought today. And I, I mean, if you guys like this energy, like, let us know. If you want unscripted stuff like this, just let us know. Yeah. But I think we have the perfect guest. My Islanders colleague. Yes. Good old Georgie. Good George Matthews coming on, play-by-play for Isles Radio. I think we're going to hear, he's going to talk to you guys about, obviously, the QMJHL finals. His career in the NHL. Yeah. As much more. Yeah. I mean, this guy's been calling games for how long now? He started out with the Capitals, and he was in Columbus for 13 like, seasons with the Blue Jackets. Think, like, the he's been doing this longer than we've been alive. Yeah. yeah. So this guy has so much knowledge, and we're grateful that he's coming on, and yeah. it's going to be exciting. Yeah. He was with Turkey Gallant, like Jared Gallant, yeah. whenever he was with the Western Capitals. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, let's send it to him now, boys. Here you go, Georgie. 
Hey, what's going on? We're back here with George Matthews. George, thanks for coming on. Well, Greg, guys, it's pretty special to be here, and I can see that uh, the studio is uh, certainly a lot better than what I started out with early in my career, so you guys already have an uptick in your career. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're just, we're just a couple of university students. Yeah. yeah, no kidding, yeah. yeah. I, was, I, was, I was five years in the teaching at this point. With a paycheck coming in, and I didn't live as good as you guys were. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's take it to the beginning. Out in yep. Summerside, Prince Edward Island. Yep. Here, you said you had a car that couldn't even turn right. Well, you know what? It, at uh, at a very early age, when I was cutting lawns and 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 grass and whatever, trying to earn a living, uh, not a lot of cash flow uh, in the bank account. So uh, I remember the first car I ever had, starting out, going to college and. Uh, I was impressed with the car because it was the only car that I had owned at that point. Mm-hmm. A little beetle bug, a green uh, beetle bug. And unfortunately, when I, I got it home, I, I got to learn very quickly that the reason why the guy sold it was that it only turned left. <laughs> so anyhow, the engine was good, but I had to strategize in, in, in Summerside, and I never would take it to the big city of Charlottetown. No. And uh, so I, I eventually I could get my way around. On the highway, it was terrific. Get out to Kensington. and. I could get to the dilly bars there as a 16-year-old. <laughs> I think I was a big deal at that time, but uh, that's where you start out. And um, from that point on, you know, you you strive to try to get uh, and accomplish things in life. And uh, if you work hard enough and you stay focused on it, uh, things do happen for you. So you said you taught as well. Yes, I, you know, I taught. I always wanted to be into the broadcasting industry. And what these stories I'm telling to you right now, it is, uh, you know, I remember... Um, uh, I remember doing a, a radio broadcast seminar in Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, sometimes when you're uh, you're not from New York or you're not from Toronto, and you, you think that man, do I belong? You know, do I really belong in this mixture of professional broadcasters? And you sort of question yourself uh, whether you should be there. But uh, anyway, during the the lockout of 0304, they had me all around the state doing uh, speaking engagements, and I spoke at this. Um, at this broadcasting seminar in in Cleveland, Ohio, for aspiring broadcasters in the state mm-hmm. of Ohio, and so I get up and I told them my story. And this gentleman, uh, this gentleman, I thought it was a a bit of a different story or a special story because it was my story. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I when I finished, I noticed this this gentleman and younger man standing in the open hallway, and he was uh, well dressed, looked uh, he looked professional. And um, anyway, so. Uh, I finished up and I started to talk to some students and they wanted to connect some dots and, and uh, give me their cards and exchange cards and try to network a little bit as everybody tries to do as they move forward in their careers. And So when everybody left, uh, this gentleman came up and he said, uh, he shook my hand, he said, uh, uh, George, congratulations. And I said, thank you very kindly. He said, my name is Tom Hamilton. He said, I'm the voice of the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> and he said, I just stood there. He said, you just told my story. He said, that's exactly how I got to the major leagues, is exactly how you did. And so here's a guy, he's uh, from small town. He's from small town, uh, I'm not sure where it was in America that he told me he came from, which I was coming from small town, uh, uh, small town Canada, right? Mm-hmm. So you think, well, you know, do I feel, does it uh, feel right that I'm in this position? And then you find out that, you know, there's places, people coming from uh, suburban Kansas City that are calling games in the National Hockey League. <laughs> There's guys that are coming from the east coast of Canada. Uh, there's major leaguers uh, calling big league baseball from small town America. And it's all about getting 
getting your rep, you know, your reps in, as we would say, if you were talking about physical conditioning, it's about getting the microphone in front of you mm-hmm. and calling the games and making all the mistakes that are necessary. And I, this is way beyond you people, but the, we used to have a, a big rural store uh, on PEI called Callbacks. And it was a big hardware store, and they were big in Bedeck, and they were centered in Bedeck. But I started doing broadcasts and, and doing the reads and all the advertising, I would say, you know, you got to shop at uh, Callbacks in Borden. And I would say that 20 times. And somebody would phone and say, tell George that Callbacks is in Bedeck. And, <laughs> and so, I mean, you make all those mistakes, and, and uh, that's where you start out. And it's a bit of a challenge early on. And uh, you probably, in your career, you never want to look back too long uh, uh, because it would be scary to be listening to your first work. Yeah. And it would be a head scratcher, and you would say, how did they even let me on the air? <laughs> but anyway, and you go from there, and you work at it. And, and in today's modern media world, you don't need necessarily mainstream media to get involved and to, to become pretty good at what you do. You can do what you guys are doing with talk shows or, or do college baseball or college uh, hockey or college basketball uh, and, and get that opportunity, uh, refine your your skill set at that level and all of a sudden apply for the lower, lower minors mm-hmm. and then you can go into that level and you start to move up the ladder and then you get a chance to do your dream job and then you never work the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just want to ask you, have you found any tapes from when you first started? Uh, you know what? Um, uh, there are tapes in the basement and <laughs> there are cassettes there. And, uh, Are they going to stay there? Basically? They're going to stay there probably <laughs> uh, until I fully retire and take the time to look back at it. And and um, it would be fun to see some of the uh, and listen to and just roll your eyes and see where you are mm-hmm. and uh, the amount of effort and work that it's taken to get to where you went to uh, and the difference in between. It, it never happens without work. Yeah. Uh, the, the minute, uh, uh, certainly in the media business, the minute that you stand still is the minute, like everything else, you fall behind. Mm-hmm. You got to be moving ahead, trying to do a better job, trying to think about better questions, trying to be better prepared. Uh, all my, all my uh, work for the most part was always. Uh, I learned very early is is to be prepared. Yeah. And uh, if you're going to do an interview, have a storyline with it, have a sequence of questions that you have in your mind that you want to ask. You just don't go in and try to respond to the answer that is being given to you in the interview. Actually, think out the process of the interview what you want to hit home runs on, and then you can respond to some of the answers that the interviewer has given you, but be prepared to tell the story. Have a start, have a finish, and um, you know, uh, when you do that, you end up with some pretty good interviews. Mm-hmm. Rather than just going crazy and trying to uh, ask the opening question and then say, well, what am I gonna ask next? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, it just, and early on, <laughs> and, and that's one thing, I mean, again, in this business, and I know this is more of a media thing for people, and. It probably doesn't interest uh, a lot of people other than people who might want to move into the media business, but uh, you cannot you cannot beat being prepared. That's mm-hmm. the whole key. Because when you're prepared, guess what comes with being prepared? I don't expect an answer here, but I'm just saying <laughs> what comes is a comfort feel. You feel comfortable on what you're about to do. You're feeling comfortable with the questions you have and how you're going to ask them, the sequence you're going to ask them, and there's no panicking you say what am I going to ask next when he's finished Mm -hmm. and um, I I can remember early and there's nothing like real life experience I can remember calling a a junior A game 
and I reference this poor player, this poor man, he's now a policeman in Toronto. Uh, he's a benchmark interview for me. And um, we were doing the uh, initial stages of the Maritime Junior uh, Championship where PEI had to play New Brunswick. The winner then would play Nova Scotia. So we were in the first round. And in those days, uh, the teams could always pick up uh, a goaltender as a backup. So that year, Summerside beat uh, Charlottetown uh, in, in junior A play. And uh, we picked up a young player. He's going to get uh, so tired of me mentioning him all the time. But <laughs> anyway, just a terrific guy. He's now a cop in Truro by the name of Monty Emery. Monty was a great guy, still is a great guy. And I've met him a few times uh, since. And I, uh, I said, Monty, I said, listen, love to have you on in between periods. He said, uh, uh, George, no problem. Come on with you. Yes, no problem. I said, well, that's good. Now that's that's uh, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, whatever it is. And the, the, the young people, the young players, uh, were not nearly as media savvy no. with mm-hmm. video cameras and, and iPhones and interviews and uh, agents and all. That wasn't around then. So pretty nerve-wracking if you weren't comfortable having a microphone in front of you. Yeah. But he seemed to be good. So anyway, we went on, and uh, so I did the scoring summary, and I said, we'll be back with uh, Abby's goaltender, Monty Emery, more of our second period remission in just a moment. And so he settles in. And I said, Monty, uh, you know, so we're going to ask you these types of questions here. He nods. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, I asked him one question. Yes. I asked him another question. No. I asked him another question. Perhaps. Next question, maybe. And I'm saying, and all my broadcast partners, they're behind me rubbing their hands. So this is an eight-minute interview of, of yeses and nos and not much detail. Then I look down to my right... And the Zamboni doesn't and cannot make it off the ice. It breaks down. <laughs> this is live radio. And then I have to go, and ev- not, uh, not a chance one of my broadcast partners would help. They were loving this. <laughs> okay? So I went another 20 minutes of yes and no questions with Monty. So it ended up being a 30-minute interview. And it, it's a benchmark interview for me because at that point, you, you really learn to to listen what about the, the answers that he did give, the little bit of detail and how to elaborate on those and, and work on that. And so I was stuck in the middle of a tough situation mm. and not getting any help. Everybody enjoying it for the most part except <laughs> myself. So that's where you start to, you know, you, you develop some interview skills and then you find out eventually that it's just not about a matter of getting through the interview. It's about getting an interesting interview. Mm-hmm. And then you start to work on on your questions and you, you formulate a storyline early uh, of a person's career, the middle career, the final edges, whatever you want to talk about, uh, something along those lines. And then all of a sudden you go into the interview and uh, I have no shame of taking in a billboard or, or a, uh, not a billboard, but a, um, a question board of some sort with me. All it shows is that you care and that you're interested. Yeah. And I notice now more people, why, are, why, don't, why don't you have a, um, a clipboard with you? So you can take a look down and look at the detail you're talking about. Nobody expects you to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And if it's live, uh, it, it, you know, they want you to be perfect, and it's yeah. not easy. Lots of times you, there's a tape in and you can do redo and redo uh, before it goes to air. But if you're doing something live, uh, I have no shame in taking, a, uh, again, a clipboard in with me, looking at a stat, looking at a number, uh, to make sure you're doing the job right. Mm-hmm. So what was your first gig? In the sports broadcasting world, uh, um, well, it would be high. You know, the, it's always been hockey, and uh, you know, I've got um, 
you know, it's, I mean, I'm getting like a body, it says, once you get old, like myself, all of a sudden you have a time to reflect and you find out that there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, time spent on the air. And, uh, you know, I'm getting closer to 50 years into broadcasting. That's a long time. That's mm -hmm. a lifetime for people. Yeah. And I'm into, uh, you know, getting closer to 3,000 games. That's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of broadcasting. I don't have the exact number uh, and I'm not going to really figure it out at some point I will, but it's somewhere in around there and uh, that's a lot of time behind the mic yeah. and um, to be quite honest it's there's not very many nights that I haven't enjoyed doing the job and yeah. it um, to give up what you have to give up there's a lot of personal sacrifice to get where you want to go nobody hands you the keys no and say go with it you got to earn the keys and you got to spend the time in and I mean I would uh, I would spend uh, you know I would work 75 days in a row uh, every week and every weekend uh, uh, on the road or at home doing games, midweek game as well. Um, two or three leagues, it wouldn't be necessarily one league, it'd be senior hockey, junior hockey, college hockey, American Hockey League. And you're, you're changing up all those leagues as you're working on those. But again, you're always uh, looking to get uh, make yourself better. It'd be nothing to, um, to get home and do a game in Amherst, Nova Scotia midweek and get on the boat, there was a boat, the old Abbey, whose <laughs> boat, the Abbey itself, I spotted it many times in the, the waterfront of uh, Chicago, it's now a yacht club there, but uh, the old Abbey horn still remains on the island, and we hear it at East Link Center in Charlottetown. Hopefully we're gonna hear it again before the season yeah. comes to an end, but um, you know, um, you run into that situation, uh, and uh, you know, you get home at, uh, at uh, four in the morning, I'd uh, drive back down to Charlottetown, sleep for an hour, get up and uh, take a shower and go back up to Summerside and teach junior high the next day. That's what you have to do. That's the sacrifices you have to make to get where you you, you probably think you're not going to get, but if you want to get, that's what you have to do. Did you ever feel like if you sat around for like a day or two days and didn't get better, did you feel like someone was going to take your job? Because that's kind of the way that we're like taught, kind of like. Well, not yet. You know what? Yeah, here's, yeah, and you know what? Here's what it is. I mean, the bottom line is, as long as you're moving forward with mm -hmm. your career, as long as you are putting in the effort, and you are evaluating yourself each and every day, and you think you're getting better, mm -hmm. you're not going to get replaced. I mean, but if you stand still and you get lazy and you don't want to put in the time, there's challenges coming from all angles. But as long as you move forward with the challenge by making yourself better each and or trying to I still work on I still work on on uh, on phrases that uh, to try to entertain listeners you know I mean it's uh, um, I don't know for I mean I would never use this in Ohio because they were not familiar with the term but I mean here I would say holy shimmy <laughs> and I've had people tell me say what did uh, I've had people say to the office what did he say did he say holy shit <laughs> did he said holy shimmy but I mean, those are the types of things that you add, even at this point in my life. It's about entertaining them. It's about entertaining, especially on the radio side. That's what I enjoy about radio, is that um, you are the, um, and it's a real special story here, and but I mean, remind me of uh, uh, a story about uh, a C9 dog. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, the thing with, the thing with radio is, um, you know, you, if, you're, if you're putting yourself asleep, mm -hmm then guess who else you're putting to sleep? Yeah. So my job is to entertain and um, bring some excitement, bring some description, bring them the information that they want, the detail, the score, who's scoring the game, update it, times, all that, I'm supposed to do that job. And then you let the color guy analyze and 
and give his thoughts, whether it's Major League Baseball or, or whatever, let him do his thing. Uh, but uh, you give that detail and you come and uh, you come with some energy. And um, you know, I've always believed that if you don't come with energy, then you're putting the listener to sleep. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to reverse of that. If I come with energy, I'm entertaining the listener. If we've got listenership, uh, we've got advertising. If we have advertising, I'm going to get paid. <laughs> Bottom line, you know. Yeah. So that, but it's the entertainment business. But I probably would have had, uh, oh, I would say close to uh, 1,500 games in uh, of broadcast where it finally hit me one night in Columbus, Ohio, that um, I did, you know, I, I knew, I understood what broadcasting was all about. I understand what my job was about and describing whatever. But it never really hit home that I would, on radio, you were the eyes for the people who were not there. Yeah. It never, I never really broke it down that way. Um, and we had a, uh, Chelsea Dye was the uh, young lady's name. And she lived in, uh, outside of Columbus, Ohio, in rural Ohio. And she listened to the Blue Jackets. She loved the Blue Jackets. And she listened on radio because of the description. Whereas in TV, it was more, um, yeah, yeah, you know, it's more of uh, players' names. You don't have yeah. to position the puck. When you're blind, you know, knowing whether it's a blocker save, a chest save, it's in the right corner, the left corner, back to the right point, they can visualize that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so she, she asked our director of broadcasting one uh, week that if she could come up with her seeing eye dog and sit in between Bill Davidge and myself, who were the play-by-play radio side uh, of, of the Jackets. And they asked me, I said, sure, that's great. So Mark Denis, who's now a television broadcaster for the Montreal Canadiens, was our goaltender in, in Columbus at the time. Great guy. But anyway, Mark Denis was, uh, was the goaltender. So she sat in between us, and uh, I started to call the game. And uh, I look over, and I look over at Bill, and she's sitting there, and she's listening to the both of us. And, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, I, you know, uh, there's some, some excitement around the jackets goal. I was like, oh, Mark Denis, what a save! He's down on all fours, head first, making the save. And so I, I, which is a normal call. Yeah. And I look over at her, she's standing up shaking. Just shaking. Mm-hmm. And I looked over at Bill. I said, holy smokes. Okay, so again, I didn't say anything. And down we go again. And you know, oh, Mark today, perfect pad save to the stick side. He'll hold on to the jack. I look over again, she's standing up shaking. She couldn't see the game. She's listening to all the audio. And that's how she would get the feel of the game. And that's 1,500 games in, and I really didn't get that concept of it Mm -hmm. uh, until, you know, on radio, you're the eyes of the people who aren't out there, and you've got to come prepared because, uh, you know, uh, these people are counting on you. And you helped her be a normal fan. Well, yeah, she could follow the game. It's just, it was shocking. It just, I didn't realize it. So midlife uh, career, mid-career, that, you know what, you, there's so many people counting on you yeah. to make the call, right? There's not a video screen there. Yeah. And so they expect you to show up and be accurate, as accurate as you possibly can be. And that's what makes the job a challenge, but also exciting to be on top of your, of your description, to be on top of the game, because people who aren't there are expecting you to call it with accuracy and information. So first game with the Columbus Blue Jackets, Yes, you're at the NHL level. For a player, that's nerve-wracking. What about for a broadcaster? Well, you know, the, it, it, uh, the first game uh, the first game was a preseason game against the, uh, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, um, uh, the Penguins are loaded. I'm thinking, you know what, they've, 
this is a preseason game against the expansion jackets. They probably will not have a big lineup. Anyway, they had everybody in. Everybody. <laughs> they had Lemieux in. They had Yager in. Uh, they had, uh, oh man, they had, yeah, they would, yeah, they, they would have, uh, I'm just going through, uh, uh, Kozlev, Kovalev, mm-hmm. I said Kovalev, they just went on and on. They were like, uh, when there's no salary cap, they were just loaded. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sitting there, I'm pretty happy, you know, I've done about, uh, 1500 games or whatever back in the East Coast. And if I only do one game in NHL, I'm happy. And, uh, so... And I'm sitting there, and the uh, the president, uh, uh, and I can't exactly use the language that he used, but the president <laughs> came in, and uh, he uh, stood in between uh, Bill Davich and myself, and he's an island native, and Doug McLean. And anyway, he said, "Boys, are you ready?" And all this, you know, what a great time it is to uh, for sports in Ohio and in Columbus and so on there, and whatever like that there. And and he was joking around, and all of a sudden, the right fist uh, came out of the pocket, and he slammed it down on the table. <laughs> He said, I just want to let you uh, tell both these guys. He said, you know what? You're not in the minor leagues anymore. Don't screw it up. <laughs> then he left. And I'm sure he, I'm sure that he was smiling all the way. And it wasn't quite described the way that I said it was. It was a lot more language <laughs> than that there. But that was basically it. And that's where we started. And I said to Bill, you know what, Bill? If this is our only game call, it is what it is. We're going to enjoy the ride. Let's make it and, a good and, one. Let's, let's make it a good one. And, and, and that's what it is. You know, right. That was the... The, the, the first of uh, a uh, 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 thousand plus broadcasts in the NHL and uh, everyone uh, everyone was a privilege to do and uh, you know with the fan bases and being there early on and the diehards and the post-game shows and all of that uh, it was a full day that would start at 10 o'clock in the morning and you'd still be doing the post-game show at midnight then you'd have to hang around and no, no, that's when I say have to hang around. You would hang around. It was a, it was great to be a deal with the fan base and the and the fans that were interested in the games and in the jackets and uh, and uh, it became a, a you know great passion. We had a great time over the 13 years I was there, but uh, it never seemed like work despite all the hours that would be put in. And uh, for any young person that wants to become a broadcaster, if you can find your your way into a, an opportunity where you can actually earn some type of income from it or do it part-time and work something else. Uh, it's the greatest job in the world. Yeah, well, that's like kind of what I'm part-time with the Islanders now, mm-hmm. full-time at the radio station, and just uh, every day doesn't feel like work at all. I well, love going and doing it. You're that. unbelievably blessed. Yeah. I know it's about money. It's always about money. I know it's always about money for me. But, I mean, um, so to say, well, you know, money doesn't, uh, money counts. Yeah. But if you can pay the bills... And if you've got something you love to do and you can pay the bills, you're one lucky person. Mm-hmm. Because to go through life and not feel the grind of a working career, but everything is you're ha- pretty happy with doing, mm-hmm. you're un- unbelievably lucky. So how did you get your start with the Blue Jackets? Like where were you right before, and then what was the call up? Well, well, it was I had to, I, it was I had done uh, all the junior scene here. Here on PEI, I did you know the CIU championships. I did college hockey with the Panthers. I did the Al- the Allen Cup and senior hockey and those types of tournaments. And then the PEI Senators came, and uh, and uh, I did three years with them. They were here for three years, and uh, myself and Paul Skirman up in Summerside. We we did the coverage there, and then they left, and it was felt it felt like a void. Yeah. So I eventually moved uh, from uh, uh, Summerside to Charlottetown. That was a big move. Big move on PEI, you know. <laughs> so anyhow, I came down here. My wife was heading in business, so 
um, I thought, well, I might take a year off and perhaps see if I could find something in the American Hockey League and then just uh, go and try it for a year. And then uh, I got a phone call from a former student of mine, Grant Sonier. Uh, and Grant said, George, there's a job opening here in Anaheim. They just let the radio guy go. And, of course, I had everything. I had a tape. I had picture profiles. I had a resume. I had everything there and would never send it out. Never, ever send it out. And anyway, he said, do you have anything on file? I said, yeah, I do. He said, send what you have. Send it out. And uh, the lady was Lisa Seltzer. And she was a, uh, she even gave me, a, which is another story, she even, I mean, she continued to, to uh, give me some type of regard even in the future. But anyway, she, um, I sent out the tape that was there in 24 hours. And she phoned me, she said, George, this is Lisa Seltzer from the Anaheim Ducks. I said, yep. She said, I just want to let you know, we've got probably a thousand tapes here for this job. And uh, she said, I listened to your work. She says, I really like it. I'm going to put you down to file four. I never even phoned my wife. I never even told my wife. <laughs> I told my wife about this job. And I sent a tape out to California. And uh, never thinking I'd get a response. And then she phoned me back in about a week's time and she says, George, I'm, uh, this would have been 96. Uh, she said, George, I'm going to uh, leave, the, uh, leave the, um, the Ducks and I'm going to work for Fox Sports. I'm going to produce the World Cup of Hockey for NBC Sports and Fox uh, in 96, where Mike Richter's playing. Terrific, terrific series played in Montreal, yeah. uh, and uh, one of the best hockey uh, series ever. And anyway, she was producing it for uh, for Fox Sports. She said, "So I'm leaving." I said, "Ah, oh. I'm leaving." Said, "I've recommended you and, and, and several others." And uh, she said, uh, "I'm going to leave it with the uh, the president of the club." Anyway, I mean, the easy trend and the easy the easy uh, decision was to hire their American Hockey League guy. He was already in the system. They knew yeah. who he was. And he was in the mix of the Final Four. So anyway, I got a phone call back saying I didn't make it. I was relieved. I was a nervous wreck for three or four days. Saying, oh my God, what am I going to do if I get the job and I go to Anaheim? And I mean, I'm going to be out there by myself. I mean, it's L.A. Anyway, uh, so I was actually the only guy ever in the history of broadcasting to be relieved. They didn't get the job. So then I went back and I was doing junior hockey. And, and, and I said, geez, how stupid was that? So the next year, the job in Philadelphia came up and... Um, I applied for that. I got to the final four in that again as well. Um, and um, but again, I'm coming from the outbacks of broadcasting. I'm not in the yeah. American Hockey League. I'm not in the East Coast League. I'm doing college hockey, junior hockey in the Eastern Canada. And they're saying, well, you know, uh, we can go with our our minor pro guys, and we know who we have. And um, and so um, I, I, I got down to the final four there. Another opportunity came in Tampa. Tony uh, uh, or Phyllis Pazito uh, talked to a buddy of mine. He said he really liked the tape. Uh, but uh, uh, again, they hired an American yeah. and they don't have to bring the Canadian in all yeah. through the paper transactions mm -hmm. and the visas and all that type of stuff. So um, so then, so I, you know, I got close on a couple of opportunities here. So it made me think that perhaps, you know what, I'm not that far out here. And then uh, a great friend of mine, Doug McLean, got the president's job, and uh, he phoned me. He said, "George, uh, what was it? Uh, December the twenty-sixth. Uh, December. The, uh, I guess it would be December the twenty-sixth, and in '98, I guess it was. Yeah, '98, mm -hmm. two years away before the team. He said, George, I'm going to offer you the job.' Huh. So I didn't tell anybody, and." Um, 
uh, I just kept working along, working along. And, um, you know, uh, uh, finally I had to, it got down to the final three or four months, I had to tell them that I was committing to, to go. Took my leave of absence and, and whatever. It was a big move. I was going on my own. And uh, so, um, yeah, so I, I went down and I guess the game plan, which was foolish for me, was I was going to go down for a year and go back to teach. And the school board gave me five one-year leaves of absence, and I, you know, I got I, and I was there until I was sixty years of age, and, and uh, then for thirteen years, uh, it was a it was a great opportunity. But real life stares you in the face at times, and and uh, you make some decisions that uh, you know probably are best for you in the long run, and miss the NHL energy and game night and and all that. But after a while, you know, living, uh, you know, pretty well on your own and. and uh, you know, getting through the days, day after day, and not having uh, uh, an immediate family around with you. After a while, it gets a little bit old. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I got a chance to get in a thousand, forty or fifty games, and uh, would have liked to stay a couple more years, but, uh, that, you know, I just, the opportunity was to come back here, and the Islanders were starting, and I get back home here, sleep in my own bed uh, on a routine basis, and, and uh, uh, you know, go from there. So uh, that's how it happened for me. He phoned me, gave me the start, and uh, you know he. I got to give Doug a lot of credit because, unfortunately, when you're a broadcaster, you're not a guy that can hide in the corner. No. You know, you're not an assistant uh, uh, stick boy. You know, you're not an assistant. <laughs> this. Okay, uh, you are. You're right there on the front line, and you're evaluated every night. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, so, I, Doug, I got to give uh, all the credit to, to to give me the opportunity, and. Uh, uh, he was there for uh, the first six years, I guess I was there. The final seven, I was pretty well left. I'm not left, <laughs> like I was homeless. I was, uh, <laughs> we started out with five guys and from the island at the end of the last uh, six or seven years, I was the last guy there. So it changed the dynamics and uh, uh, that family feeling, not that it uh, wasn't quite the same. And then being on my own as I was, uh, it was time to come back. and, and uh, is this, watch as you get older here. Not when you get younger. You guys are still climbing the hill. When yeah. you're on the other side of the hill, it starts to drop real quick. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's not as much time left and you want to enjoy yourself and enjoy your, your home life. And P.I. is a great spot. Charlottetown yeah. is a terrific city. We had 28, 29, 30 affiliates in Ohio, all of 100,000 or more. But, I mean, what, uh, what, are this, what the province, the province, I traveled all over North America, Kansas City. As they say, you can watch a dog run free for four days and still see him going. <laughs> hey, that's Kansas. Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. oh yeah, there's two different. You're right. That's Kansas City. Uh, Kansas, you're right. There is two Kansas. And right beside one another. Is that right? Or what? Yes. No yeah. offense to my dear sweet sister-in-law, Megan, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, we have two Kansas cities right beside one another. Right? Yeah. So it, um, but anyhow, it just, uh, uh, you know, so I mean, you get all over the map. Uh, up into North Dakota and out into California, and see a lot of things. But well, this is a great spot. To, a great spot to live. PEI is a great spot, and uh, Charlottetown Restaurants Institute. Uh, you know, you've got college, you've got university, you've got young person too. Mm -hmm. It's not a big city, but it's you know what? It's got a little, got a little bit of a warm feeling to it, and uh, there's a comfort zone here. There's friendships established for a lifetime, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's a good setup. So. Good spot to uh, drop the anchor in, yeah. and uh, back here now for a number of years, and I'm still I'm still enjoying it. People ask why I still do the games. Um, it's a, a form of entertainment for me. It gets me into the house, and uh, something you love to do. It's something I like to do, yeah. you know. And I'm, I'm certainly not in it for the money. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, but it 
know, some obligation to, to, to come to work prepared and entertain the fans. And I know the radio, uh, I know I'm just getting here now in the last week or so, the radio ratings that I've seen since I've been here on PEI the first time. And I know the ownership group are more than pleased. Oh, yeah. The people are dialing in on radio. I'm not going to give the numbers out here, but uh, it's uh, they're really happy with them. And, and whether I'm doing the games or Corey's doing the game, all I'm trying to do is get sports back on the radio here in PEI. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I was talking to Jay the other night, and he said that the radio is really pleased with the two. That they get really good ratings. Yeah, they're yeah. they're uh, they're more than pleased, and I'm looking, I'm hoping that uh, for the Islanders that they can get on full time next year. They deserve to be on the air full time. Yeah, and uh, they've got. Uh, it's the, the biggest brand in the province, uh, the biggest turn, uh, turnstile turn is Charlottetown Islanders Hockey. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just to continue to expand it a little bit and, and make it as a high-profile team as you can in the province and everybody reaps the benefits of it. So, mm-hmm. But anyway, it's just getting back and getting radio and getting sports on radio here was a bit of a challenge, but it's, it looks like it's going in the right direction. If we don't have listeners, it doesn't mean anything, but the listeners are, are, are jumping on board. They want to follow the Charlottetown Islanders, and yeah. it's all good. It's all mm-hmm. good. So, just to wrap this bad boy up here. Five hours later. <laughs> oh, no. We've, I'm losing my voice. <laughs> okay, Justin okay. first here, and then yeah. I've got a final yeah. question for yeah. you. So, I want to talk a little bit about this Q or Q finals that we're in. Oh, first yes. time ever. I thought I was going to get out of this. First time ever. <laughs> Not with the water boys. We're going to do our due diligence. I mean, like, first of all, what's your thoughts about the Islanders making it there. Like, I think it's terrific. It? Yeah, it's it, like you guys are, are you guys are are so young, um, and, I, and I understand why there wouldn't be the appreciation of what actually is going on here. Mm-hmm. But for the old geezers like myself, this is the first time that the island has ever been in yeah. uh, a major junior final. First time ever. Mm-hmm. Never been, never been to a, a Memorial Cup, and I'm not sure when we'll see it again. Uh, it's taken. Uh, whatever the C8, well, the island has never always been a major junior hockey, but I mean, um, whether they were or not, as a province, they were never in the Memorial Cup. No. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter what, you know, whether they had a team or not, they weren't there. So, um, uh, you know, for them to get to the Memorial Cup, if it was to ever happen, it, it's a history-breaking event there. Yeah. And uh, to get to this level is um, something that's never happened before either. So what's your what's your action so far with game one and two? Well, you, you know what, um, at team one, uh, the team certainly was a little bit of uh, flat. There's no doubt about that. Uh, uh, Xavier Simeno not in the game on on uh, game one yeah. uh, on Saturday night took a bit of the edge off the game. Mm-hmm. I think for the Charlottetown Islanders, and uh, now whether he should have been suspended or not, that's up for debate uh, yeah. by a lot of people. Uh, yeah. You know, one of the issues that I have being old school. Um, is that uh, in the old timers world, things were black and white, and it was a big gray area. Yeah. And the easy way to make calls today, it's black or white. Mm-hmm. And uh, it takes all the uh, stress and friction out of a decision. But when I look at things, is it realistic that assessments are assessed strictly on black and white? Or is there a story here in between mm-hmm. that varies, you know, what's happening? Uh, should Simino have been... Uh, um, suspended for a game? Not in my eyes. No. Uh, but the league sees it differently, and the call is black and white. And if you go by their black and white call, uh, then they made the right decision. I don't believe in the black and white. I believe in a gray uh, of some degree where you read the decision and say, was the kid hurt? Did he play mm-hmm. in the game? Did he play a significant amount? 
He looked like he played two goals. in 15 minutes of the period. <laughs> he wasn't hurt, okay? No, no. So what are you teaching a kid by uh, suspending him for a game and he doesn't even hurt the kid? So yeah. that's, a, you know, I believe in the gray. Most of the world today, they believe in black and white. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, last night, the game, uh, the Islanders deserved to win. Yeah. Uh, shots would tell you that. Uh, the game flow would tell you that. And I have uh, full respect for the officials in the third period where I'm a true, uh, I'm a big believer in letting the teams on the ice play the game out, stay out of the way. Yeah. And there's four or five calls missed, not missed, not called. Because I think the, I think the officials respected what was going on on the ice. This yeah. is the league final and we're gonna stay out of the traffic lane. It's tied 2-2 most of the third period. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, um, you've got uh, you've got calls that are missed by, and I don't want to say missed, not called. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I, and I think the officials in the third period did a great job. They let the game flow play, and uh, they were going to let the skill match up against the will, and hopefully the will gets more skill and the skill gets more will. Yeah. And that's where you're at at the 20 minute mark, and the best team wins. Mm-hmm. Now, what's disappointing, obviously, that is driving everybody crazy today, yeah. is the call that's made at the 59 minute mark mm-hmm. of the period. And um, it's, uh, in my opinion, it's, 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 it's a really tough call to accept. Uh, if you're a Charlottetown Islander fan, I know many people in the league uh, are seeing it. No, they're saying that, you know, they're saying that, you know, it, 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 it is a call. And uh, the league does have it right. It is, they made the call right. But there were six or seven other calls in that period that were black and white. And none were called. Yeah. So why is that black and white call called at that time? And... Not only that, but that call wasn't called. It was called where the face-off was 89 feet away from both goaltenders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything that was going to happen in the next four or five seconds no, was irrelevant. No. Nothing was going to happen in the next four or five. That wasn't a face-off deep in either zone no. where a face-off win would immediately uh, perhaps generate some type of crease chaos. Yes. That wasn't happening here. Uh, you have that scenario. And then you have the scenario as well, um, you know, where if you call that at the 10 minute mark, it's gonna be a five on four power play. Yeah. You call it the last minute of the play, in advantage of the team who's trailing, it becomes a six on four. And right after uh, they tied it up. Yeah, yeah, right after, you know, I mean, after, I mean, uh, the average take the lead, yeah. yeah. So, um, huge difference in everything uh, when it's a six on four. Mm. You're really gifting a golden opportunity. Not necessarily is it 100%, but you're gifting a golden ball. We're showing against power plays. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Shawinigan, I mean, you got, uh, I mean, they've got two first rounders. Well, they got two first rounders and the Dubai kid they, who played pro here. Those yeah. are pro style players yeah. with pro style shots. They're going bar down because they can go bar down. Yeah. There's lots of players in Major Junior who can't hit that. Those guys can hit that. And that's who's on the ice for them. And I think they're, what, uh, five for seven in the power play yeah. after two games. So, uh, a really unfortunate, unfortunate situation to have the call made, and the league says, uh, and rightfully so, it was the right call, mm-hmm. as it was the right call. I guess it, I've never seen the call made from there before. So, but the league says it's the right call, mm-hmm. and I can live with that. What I can't live with then is all the other missed calls yeah. in the in the same period that were black or white, yeah. and they weren't called. If everything is to be kept in unison, it's pretty simple. Well, that's the fact that yeah. the only penalty called through period was a face-off infraction. At, at center ice. Yeah. And I cannot believe, I don't know the, the man who made the call. I, I hear lots and see lots of stuff here on, on, 
on Facebook today and it's not positive towards them. No. And you know what? I can't believe, I gotta be honest with you, I cannot believe that if I was the linesman on the boards, yeah. when that puck was dropped, knowing the ramifications of what the call would be, that I would have ever have had the, uh, the gumption to go out and make that call when the two officials right in front of the play didn't make it. No. <laughs> Why is it my role to go in and make that call at that time and to know what the ramifications of, uh, of what you're doing and the crowd and uh, really stirring things up when things hadn't been called. And now you're going to make the call and the two officials right at the top of the plate, neither one wanted to touch it. No. <laughs> but I'm going to come through all that maze. I'm going to make the call. I can't, I can't imagine how many people would want to make that yeah. life-changing decision of that game. Yeah. You know, and I, uh, you know, so it's unfortunate that uh, that it unfolded the way it, it did. I thought the island deserved to win, and they were the better team the whole game. They were the better team last night, and it's a very unfortunate call, which was right. I got it's on. I'm on record as saying that it was the right call. I'm not saying that it was needed, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, because we missed a lot more in that period, which I totally yeah. agreed with. I thought the officials did a great job. They let the game play, yeah. play out, and the best team was going to win it, strictly on five on five play. Yep. Yeah, and I have no problem with that. Despite the fact guys are getting hooked, uh, guys are getting uh, stacked and packed and racked in the, uh, in the boards, and uh, play has continued on. I thought the officials did the right thing and allowed the game to be played until the 59-minute mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the two red-armed officials, I can't believe they were very happy. No. Yeah. So my final question about this series is: Do you think Charlottetown can get back from this? I think it's I think it's a real tough job here. Mm-hmm. I think emotionally, uh, not having Seminole the first game, uh, having that game ripped away from them uh, at that point. Not that uh, not that uh, you know Shawinigan might not have tied it up on a on a six on five. Mm-hmm. Uh, big difference between a six on five and a six, six on four. Yeah. Big difference and. Uh, but we don't know that. But they did. They did tie it up in the six on four, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's the bottom line. And that's what is grading a lot of people here well, today. And I don't know. Your question is. We'll find out. I know that Jim Holton is a terrific coach. Um, the building's going to be full. Shawinigan has never won a league championship, yeah. uh, so they've got that going for them as well. Um, you know, um, the, the the officials hopefully will allow the game to be played, and we won't have a type of call that uh, uh, blew up on everybody last night. In the final minute of the play, and uh, I just uh, I, uh, and, and again, a lot of people are upset with this call. The league has made the statement that it's the right call, and that is correct. And everybody's wondering where the, all the other calls were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you do one and you don't do the others, then that's when you run into a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think between the intro and our interview here, we spent about 20 minutes on this call. <laughs> I think for us at the Water Boys, that <laughs> that wraps that up. Five hours, this, yeah. five hours of prime time here. Yeah. Nice. Well, to, to wrap this one up, you talked about your mistake with the uh, hardware store in Bedak that you said was important <laughs> and oh, how that may have been a low point, a high point of the career. Walk us through that. Well, you know, and it's a great question. I, I, and I think just, uh, man, uh, one of the, so, you know, there's lots of highlights. And uh, I know calling our first game uh, in... Uh, in Columbus with Pittsburgh, that first preseason game to go on the air and call the Jackets. But, um, yeah, I, there's just not, there's not one. Calling our first win of the, uh, ever in Calgary uh, on the road, it was strictly a radio call, there was no TV. And uh, calling that game, 
calling the first game at home uh, against uh, the Dallas Stars where uh, the Buffalo WJR gave us the uh, Homer Broadcasters of the Week uh, off, the, uh, off the win over, over the Dallas Stars, defeating the Stanley Cup champions. Was a big was a big game call as well. Uh, first playoff series against the Red Wings. Um, those would be all all significant calls. There's uh, when you enjoy it uh, as much as most people who are in that position. I, I don't know if there's one exact call that uh, that that certainly jumps out at you. I I enjoyed it all uh, with a number of of, uh, of games and and uh, uh, you know opportunities and. Uh, that were that were called upon. I can remember. Uh, this is not necessarily a highlight, but I, it's funny how 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 games go. But I can remember um, playing the L.A. Kings, and uh, there's there's crease chaos in front of our goal, and there was um, the puck was alive and it was under wraps, and and finally they, they blew the play down, and uh, at the Staples Center, and then L.A. is desperate. To, to get uh, two points out of this game. Mm -hmm. And um, so anyhow, they readjust the clock and they add three or four seconds on it. And uh, there's another face off. And again, there's a, there's a scoring scramble off in front. And um, um, the, uh, just prior to that, the net had been relocated. I think perhaps I told you. So anyway, the face off come about as uh, they added a few seconds because the net being re relocated. And um, so anyway, LA wins the draw, and I told you that they added three to four seconds on the time clock. Anyway, LA scores uh, to win the game with three to four seconds left in the game. And uh, doesn't seem like a big deal. With the two points, LA makes the playoffs, finishes eighth overall, and goes on to win the Stanley Cup. Just like that, four seconds. And uh, they win their first Stanley Cup. And it, uh, nobody looks back at that, I do. Yeah. And it was one. Of, it was near the near the end of the season. There's only a couple of games left mm -hmm. in the season, and those two points with the net uh, being relocated and the seconds added on, uh, they're going to score, and that puts them into uh, eighth place in the West, and they go on to win. Oh yeah, I remember that year. That yeah. was like 2010. Yeah, something, something like that. I just forget it. So, 2012. You know, small moments. That's why yeah. one of the uh, one of the we're going way beyond uh, this, but there's a movie out there called Sliding Doors, and it's uh, I'm not a big movie geek that I remember every movie that I watched, but uh, this movie Sliding Doors, which is good for young people to watch. It's a movie about whether you take the right door or the left door and how your life totally changes if you take either one of those doors. Mm -hmm. How every move in your life moving forward can change your life. Yeah. And I mean, there they change the clock for four seconds. And every player on that uh, LA King team, they got something they're gonna cherish for the rest of their life. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, yeah so. Well. Great being on with these guys and yeah. uh, you know, I hopefully didn't put you to sleep. Oh, no, that was <laughs> awesome. I was looking forward to I think this now. was our most colorful, fun, exciting storytelling, I would say, yeah. interview that we've had ever. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. if we didn't have like time frames to hit, I could sit here for another couple of hours yeah. and listen to stories <laughs> like yeah. that. No, it just, but that's what it, I mean, if you want to get into the media business, it's the, there's nothing like it. Mm -hmm. To me, the energy of covering something live. Being at the event, and you're getting paid for this. Doesn't yeah. feel like work. No, it, it nope. never feels like work, and we're blessed, uh, even at this point in my life, to go to have something to go to that uh, you find entertaining. People appreciate what you do. Uh, you inform people, and I'm I'm long past the money thing now. I'm just yeah. doing it for uh, to have uh, to have some fun and. 
try to establish um, sports on radio here on the island, which is, it's, it's coming. Yeah. Not as quickly as I would like it, but it's coming. And uh, hopefully it's here to stay. Because mm -hmm. as I try to tell people, every other state and province in the North America has it. Why can't we have it here? Yeah. You know, so it's starting here. And I got to give uh, Max 93 one credit. They're doing a great job with us. And uh, we're looking to get more games on the, on the radio moving forward. And hopefully you're going to be able to follow the Charlottetown Islanders on radio game by game moving forward here. Yeah. There we go. Well, Justin, why don't you tell the folks where to find us? So, so you can find us on YouTube, where you're watching this right now. You can also listen to this audio version on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Now, we have our social media accounts. You know that on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But you also have to follow along on the social, social media of the Instagram, Waterboys underscore media, where we're covering all the local island sports that we possibly can. And Islanders games. Great handle, Waterboys, man, that's great. Doing, <laughs> doing live score updates, post-game interviews, everything that you need, it's there. So just go along and follow along, and Grant, send these bad boys out. Will do, Juddy. <laughs>